Uh, genocide is a new word combining the Greek word genos, genos meaning race or group, with the root of the Latin sidere meaning to kill. A report says that his regime is responsible for crimes against humanity. The one and only Holocaust. Six million innocent people, men, women, children, babies, sent to their deaths. Serious abuse, with the state showing little or no recognition of even the most basic human rights. I became interested in genocide because it happened so many times. Many wonder what it will take to bring this violence to a halt. Basic human rights be given the protection of international law. The killings in Cambodia, killings in Rwanda, the killings in Bosnia, killings in Darfur. And we are haunted by the atrocities that we did not stop. This is Atrocity Prevention Monthly, a podcast by the Sentinel Project. Hi everyone, welcome back to Atrocity Prevention Monthly. This is part two of our uh, program on the Troubles, talking about the Troubles. We had uh, part one last month, and uh, there we kind of discussed um, kind of the general aspect of the Troubles, everything you should know about, you know, who was involved, what it was about, Um, and we started to discuss actually um, events that happened during the Troubles. The Troubles spanned 30 years uh, in Northern Ireland between 1968 and 1998. Um, and I have the pleasure of having my special guest here again today, Robert McCartney. He is a friend of mine, um, has lived through the Troubles, um, currently lives in Northern Ireland, and um, has lived there all your life almost, I guess, pretty much, right? That's correct. That's yeah. right. Um, and so you're a really good person to talk to about this. You know exactly, you know, you have a good, very unbiased opinion about it, which I appreciate because there have been people that I've talked to and they are biased and it's not necessarily the best thing because I, I'm not from there. I don't know. I like to know both sides of the story. Um, and so Robert also has a lot of personal, uh, you know, stories about the troubles that we kind of discussed in part one. And so um, I thought that in part two, we could kind of discuss um, the turning point in the troubles and um, what changed in terms of uh, when did peace talks begin? Because it seemed like, from what I understand, that, um, you know, in the beginning stages, there was no such thing as peace talks. Um, I guess maybe did people think that it was never going to end, that there was no solution to this to the troubles or um what did in fact change everything because we were talking about the hunger strikes the hunger strikers um and you had mentioned well that was an important aspect of the troubles as well yeah um back in the mid 80s um republican prisoners a number of them um went on uh hunger strike in the maze prison and um just before he, he died, there was mm-hmm. um, uh, an election to Westminster, and uh, Bobby Sands, who was in hunger strike and the first hunger strike of the day, uh, actually um, was elected mm-hmm. to the West Belfast seat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think West uh, Prime Minister Thatcher at the time mm-hmm. uh, did not um, acquiesce to the demands of the hunger, hunger strikers, which was f- for political st- status. Yeah, prisoners of war as opposed to civilian prisoners mm-hmm. um, I think it it showed the Republican leadership because there was such a groundswell of uh, sympathy if you like for the plight of these mm-hmm. hunger strikers mm-hmm. um, 
and the fact that they actually got one elected right um showed to the republican leadership within Sinn Féin that um there possibly is an alternative and more productive way than uh, the armed struggle of handling it right yeah so as as you may appreciate a lot of um contacts between the Republican movement and the British government would have been covert mm-hmm. and not wi- mm-hmm. widely known mm-hmm. to, to the uh, general pop- population. Um, I think it's generally uh, recognised now that there were contacts mm-hmm. uh, between the two parties uh, to try and reach some sort of um, settlement as regards to the, the hunger strikes. And I'm sorry, if that's what eventually occurred mm-hmm. uh, after I think was um, nine prisoners died. That's right. Um, so I think th- the hunger strike showed to, as I said, to the Republican leadership that um, there's possibly an alternative mm-hmm. route mm-hmm. to achieve their strategic objectives. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of internal uh, debate yeah. and conflict within the organization as to whether or not this was the right way forward or not, and that maybe took a number of years right. uh, to, to work its way through. Right. But I think, in essence, the hunger strike was the start mm-hmm. of the peace process. Right. And so the hunger strikers, um, you know, you were saying just before this that, so they were, in fact, tried. Yes. Um, so, okay, so they were, in fact, tried. They were found guilty yeah. of certain crimes. Yeah. Um, and so, um, they of course wanted, you know, prisoner of war status rather than just civilian, yeah. you know, prisoner status, um, because in their mind, of course, this was a political struggle. Yeah. Um, and so, so that it's interesting because actually, um, if you watch, there's a few movies that are, you know, a vital sign, I would say to understanding, um, the hunger strikes, one of them being hunger, which I had watched, um, and, um, I couldn't even watch it almost. It was so hard for me to handle because you really see um, what was going on at the time in terms of how these hunger strikers were being treated and then um, the British presence, I should say. I don't, I don't want to say British presence, but because who was in the, technically, who was in the prisons with them? Was it the like the paratrooper people or was it, cops that were with them like do you know what i'm trying to say i'm com- i was confused watching that movie who, because who was actually who was with them in the prison like who was who looking was after them the prison wardens prison wardens yeah so they weren't necessarily the troops no no they were civilian prison wardens okay yeah. and they were treating them horribly um and you actually see actually michael fassbender i believe was the um actor who played bobby sands and he actually starved himself to make that role more realistic yeah. uh he played bobby sands and so um it's absolutely insane what they went through and their whole struggle and they were very um strict on it they said no i'm not backing down i want prisoner of war status um and um i guess they eventually got it well i think what happened was a both parties um, agreed to disagree. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but there was some um, relaxation, or as regards to the um, conditions in which the prisoners were were held. Yeah. The as far as I understand, the British government never admitted to making any um, um, 
acquiescence acquiescence mm -hmm. to to the um, the prisoners' requests. Mm -hmm. But I think as time has gone past, it's generally been recognised that there some of their demands were were met. Right. Yeah. And so, well, it's interesting because over time, the troubles changed. It yeah. took on different forms, and so. You know the even the the type of kind of what how should I put it warfare or however how what was used changed over time, which I actually wanted to mention, which was interesting about how you know you had mentioned that um, even the car bombs the the how they had you know constructed them changed over time. There were mercury ones you were saying after and and you know remote controlled ones, and it just kind of evolved over time, so much evolved yeah. um and then of course. You have um, the hunger strikes. That's a different facet to, you know, approaching what's going on. That is a different take on it. And so that, you know, yeah, I'm sure it helped usher in the peace process or start to look at other ways of handling this. So, so what, in fact, brought on, how did they get to the Good Friday Agreement? I think uh, fundamentally... Um, all par parties recognised that w what they had here was really um, to, to give it a, a description would be like two two boxers that had punched themselves <laughs> and a mutual submission. Right. Both recognised that none, not one, could defeat the other. Right. Right. And as I said, the, the hunger strikers hunger strike um, showed to the. Republican movement that there's a possible alternative route, mm -hmm. and um, that's um, that's a route that um, they started to pursue. Right, right. And I think <coughs> they find um, the British government were, were willing to um, look at mm -hmm. a possible, um, de you know, opening up a debate. Right. Obviously. This would have been unacceptable to um, the loyalist mm -hmm. side at the, at the time, mm -hmm. so it had to be very covert, mm -hmm. and um, it had to be uh, before it could become um, widely recognised. Uh, it had to be um, pre preempted with um, a, a ceasefire mm -hmm. on, on the on the IRA side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that didn't happen until 1993. Oh wow. Yeah. So it wasn't until then that um, the actual debate of all parties that were right. part of the political and uh, political um, uh, all all the various political facets within yeah. Northern Ireland were then brought to the table, and a deal was eventually so struck in nineteen ninety-eight. So yeah. s in between nineteen ninety-three and nineteen ninety-eight. Was there, in fact, no violence? Um, no, because effectively what had happened primarily within the Republican movement was that there were small splinter groups mm -hmm. who didn't agree mm -hmm. with pursuing yep. a non-armed struggle. That's right. And they continued to um, to pursue the their, their agenda. And um, as far as I can recall, the... The, the official ceasefire also mm -hmm. broke down on a number of occasions. Right, okay, yeah. It, yeah, and had to be resurrected, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. so that was a struggle in itself. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
That's difficult. So, and um, so who were the important people in bringing about the Good Friday Agreement? Agreement, John Hume. John Hume was one, um, but I think someone who um, really uh, history has done a great disservice to mm-hmm. uh, is David Trimble. Okay. Who was the leader of the Unionist Party okay. at that time, mm-hmm. and. Um, he eventually ended up sharing the Nobel Peace Prize with John, John Hume. Hume. But in essence, um, uh, because he was taking a really big step, mm-hmm. which was um, not without... His particular party was very ba- very badly split mm-hmm. on whether or not this was the right course of action or not. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a big political gamble. Mm-hmm. And he's paid the price because, you know, history, I don't think, has really done him justice. Right. Um, uh, so, but, there were, you know, uh, Bill Clinton played a big role. Yeah. And um, yeah. Tony Blair. But I think also maybe surprised to some listeners to know that I think it may be somewhat surprising as well that um, Margaret Thatcher mm-hmm. also played a very significant role in the early stages of the peace, peace process. Did she? Yeah. Even the, when the Brighton bomb, where, where the oh, IRA blew up yes, the hotel that yes, she was staying Yes, in. that's actually depicted um, in um, yeah. the movie that they did about her about a few years ago. Yeah. But covert uh, talks were also going on at that time. Okay. So even though that she was almost <laughs> killed by the IRA, <laughs> she didn't stop those talks. Okay. You know, and uh, I think also... Um, the Irish tea circuit at the time, mm-hmm. um, and Tony Blair uh, also plays a significant role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing too, um, you know what? It's interesting because the south of Ireland, you know, the Republic part of Ireland. What were they thinking in this time? You know how? What was their government doing in terms of handling what was going on? Were they? Did they have? an agenda where they were saying if something happens in Northern Ireland, we will take them, we will become a union, or were they just not saying anything about it? Well, I don't think they wanted to um, effectively have um, a, a conflict situation foisted upon them. Mm-hmm. I think if there was going to be a union with um, the Republic, it had to be on uh, peaceful terms, mm-hmm. and it had to be with the consent of the majority. Okay. And that effectively is what the Good Friday Agreement uh, has has arrived, arrived at. Okay. Whereas it can only be uh, United Ireland with the consent of all the people of Ireland uh, um, expressly um, uh, voiced in a referendum, both in the North and in the South. In the South? Okay. Yeah. And the majority just means 50 plus one? That's my understanding, yeah. Yeah, because sometimes there's a bit of a wishy-washy type of number there sometimes. But But okay. It has to be 50 plus one on both. On both sides. sides. So if one side doesn't have 50 plus one, there's no unification. There's no unification. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what else does the Good Friday Agreement outline that's of vital importance? Well, it it recognizes the, the... political and cultural aspirations of the, the, both of the major mm-hmm. um, social entities within the Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And it, um, 
there's various safeguards within the political structure that's now in place that um, a majority cannot um, enact into law laws which would be um, adverse okay. to, to the significant minority and vice versa. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you think that um, the Good Friday Agreement is essentially a success? It's a success in that um, the violence has, to a um, very great extent, stopped. Stopped, okay. It is a success in that um, Northern Ireland is a very different place than what it was 10, 20 years ago. Right. Um, there are people walking the streets now doing their daily work, living their daily lives that may not have been doing that otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, is a place where visitors are welcomed and mm-hmm. uh, it's, a, it's a, a place where it's a, a good place to live now. Mm-hmm. It's not without its faults. Well, nowhere is, right? Um, the the way that the um, the assembly, which now governs mm-hmm. Northern Ireland, mm-hmm. is constituted, is very un- unwieldy. Okay. Um, it's not that efficient in arriving arriving at um, laws and policies. Mm-hmm. But that's because of the various safeguards that have been put in place mm-hmm. to to, to mm-hmm. stop effectively what happened in the past. Right. So has there been, um, you said that violence has in fact decreased mm-hmm. significantly so, but have there been bouts of it since 1998? There was the OMA bombing. Yeah. I'm pronouncing that right, right? You got yeah. <laughs> yes. In 1998, that was, we checked it, I believe that was just after the Good Friday Agreement passed, but that was... Um, what, the real IRA, which was a splinter cell, uh-huh. and they did they in fact take responsibility for that? Yes, effectively they, they, they did, did without actually naming the individuals that planted the bomb, which um, the investigations are still ongoing to try and uh, identify right. those particular individuals and bring them to, to justice. Right. But that was an incident where all political uh, leaders across the board were condemned outright and there was un, you know, an unacceptable yeah. um, way to um, pursue political gains. Well, I saw actually um, BBC, so the OMA bombing was the 15th of August in 1998. Um, the death toll was 29 people, including nine children um, and three generations of one family. Oh my gosh. And so... Um, I actually saw BBC, I believe it was for this one, there was a, um, a clip to, yes, it is, Jerry Adams condemning it. Yeah. And so he's been in the news, mm-hmm. right? I'm, the, I'm right. That's the right guy, right? He's yeah. been in the news lately um, regarding, um, what was it, a murder of a Protestant mother, 10 children, something like this? Yeah, there's, um, there's a group of people who refer to as the... Um, uh, sorry, I just gave my memory there. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> yeah. Effectively, um, there were in, in the early stages of the troubles, there were um, individuals who were taken away from their their families mm-hmm. and were murdered. Okay. And their bodies were never found. Okay. And one of these was uh, 
uh, a lady called Jean McConville. Mm-hmm. And Jean McConville was a Protestant who married a Catholic. And okay. she had, I think, seven or eight children. Okay. Her, her husband had died, so she was a single mum trying to bring up um, a family mm-hmm. in very children. difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. And a British soldier had been shot outside her, her home. And she rendered first aid to the soldier. Okay. And for that, she was taken away from her family. Oh, no. And shot. And her body has never been found. Oh, I thought it was found. Until very recently. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they did find yeah, her. Yeah, they okay. did find her. But the um, murder, murderer or murderers mm-hmm. have never been brought to justice. Mm-hmm. And um, Jerry Adams was recently brought in by the the police in Northern Ireland for questioning mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in regards to the Jean McConnell, McConville murder, um, but to date, no, no charges have been I've brought been against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I was. Someone said to me that uh, apparently he claims it's his brother or something that did it, but you know you can't really know. How are we ever going to know? Um, yeah. So that was interesting because he's been in the news. So that brought the troubles back into perspective. Um, and I kind of thought this is interesting because I knew that we were going to be talking about it. So the thing is, is that it kind of um, brings to my attention another question that I had. And I think I, I have always had this question for the past few years, whether the troubles are in fact over. Um, like I said earlier, we have said that, okay, violence has decreased um, significantly. You had said people are now going to their jobs who before couldn't and they're living lives in a peaceful, relatively peaceful way. Um, Ireland is open. Northern Ireland is open to visitors. It's it's a great place to be. I've been there now a few times. It is a great place to visit. Um, I personally myself don't feel anything, don't feel nervous there. Um, and so, but there are a lot of things that I hear just from other people, you know, friends that are there, your sons, we talk about it, um, that there's still this common, they still kind of deal with things, um, to this day. Like when, um, you know, Adam and Peter, your sons were growing up and Ross that, um, you know, your neighbor, uh, wouldn't let his daughter play with your kids or, or something like this because, you know, they were Catholic, raised Catholic and, and, you know, he was Protestant. And then, um, you know, they have said that in the past that they were, um, nervous about wearing certain clothing, um, outside, whether it was, you know, um, an Ulster Jersey or, um, kind of, I guess, what is it? A Celtic Jersey or something yeah. like this. You yeah. have to kind of be careful about, you know, what areas you wear things in. And, and I have noticed too, the, the murals, um, in the bog side, which is predominantly Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those, um, in the unionist side of town, which are very scary, <laughs> but something else, those ones. And so I actually said, don't you think, I think I asked you this question in the past, but don't you think those murals, for example, just keep the, the conflict there, just keep it there in plain view for people. Do you think that it's a good, um, kind of what's it called a way to get over it by having them there? Um, I think what you would be asking people to do would be to d- deny their history. Yes, I was I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, those those murals um, really are in essence a reflection of 
um, the various uh, or the two prom prominent groups history and historical perspective mm -hmm. of, of where they come from mm -hmm. and um, you, you you refer to the ones in the, the loyalist uh, communities which I'm familiar with but they are actually uh, representing the sacrifice of um, the Ulster Brigade and mm -hmm. the at the Battle of the Somme in 1916. Okay. Where so, oh, yeah, some scary stuff right there. Yeah. <laughs> so what they're doing is this is what they're saying really is this is a sacrifice that the loyalist community put down for Britain mm -hmm. in 1916, where 5,000 Ulster men died in two hours, mm -hmm. and they're more or less saying to the British government, don't you forget that, <laughs> you know? And on the other side, on the national side, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, their um, their sacrifices that they have laid down in the armed struggle mm -hmm. and various uh, IRA volunteers that mm -hmm. have died mm -hmm. uh, are more or less saying the same thing. Mm -hmm. And saying to their community, you know, we're not, we haven't forgotten our history. Yeah. But I think what it's also saying is that um, whilst we're not forgetting our history, we're moving forward. Okay. And like any peace process, it's difficult. It's not easy. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But as someone who's lived there all, their li all, all my life, mm -hmm. it's getting easier for people to accept differences. Okay. And to, if you accept differences, you can then reach compromises right. and, and move forward with those compromises. Mm -hmm. So the the interesting thing is that, you know, I come from an outside perspective, perspective and I visit and then I see the murals and then I see the, <laughs> my goodness, the um, colored, what's it called? Sidewalks. Cur or? Curbstones. Yes, yeah. the curbstones. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, what is that? And then, you know, some places have, what is it, the Union Jack up. Mm -hmm. And then some places have the Irish flag. And then yeah. some places don't have anything. Mm -hmm. And Belfast, my goodness, last year when I came, uh, there was that whole flag problem <laughs> uh, that they were, you know, having. What, what was it in Belfast? It was about not flying the Union Jack? Well, what had happened previously was that... Um, Belfast City Council mm -hmm. um, flew the Union Jack 365 days a year mm. and due to demographic changes mm -hmm. within the, the council area um, there's no longer a unionist majority council mm -hmm. in, uh, in Belfast and uh, the council decided that they would only fly the flag on a number of number specific of days, days. Mm -hmm. and to certain elements of the loyalist community this was unacceptable and okay. they they protested as as a consequence and did that was that violent in any way did that there, there was some riot rioting, some rioting? okay yeah. but i think you have to put it into perspective in that the extent of the rioting was nothing was nothing in comparison yeah. to the 1968 1971 that's right. that's right okay you know um and also you know culturally and socially, Northern Ireland has changed mm -hmm. in that there is more integration. Mm -hmm. We have a large number of integrated schools now. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, that um, those that philosophy is filtering through society. 
and where you find the still the, the hardline um, views tends to be in the working class areas right where unemployment would be high yeah and uh, you know they they have perhaps little other ways of expressing their um, social and cultural and political identities mm -hmm. so they do it by putting up flags and painting curb stones yep. and painting murals yeah which the tourists happen to like by the way well actually <laughs> well my goodness um the ones in the bog side i must admit are incredible yeah. um seeing them face to face you know there's pictures everywhere of them but when you actually get to see them face to face the extent of the artwork the fact that though that uh, i was told that um, people go around and fix them if they I guess if you know they fade or something I that's from what I understand is that yeah. there's actually a group oh yeah there's the the bog bogside artists association there you go that's it. paint them and maintain them see that's incredible yeah. um and uh yeah it's crazy there's um the one of actually the one of what is it uh, mother Teresa is it Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, John Hume. John Hume. And, uh, Nelson, Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. That one, I, that one's an interesting one. There's also the the one of, um, we saw the footage earlier um, of, um, what was the priest's name, waving the uh, white? Bishop Daly. Yes. Yeah. And with the little boy, the 15-year-old boy, and they're carrying him. Um, that one is, in fact, painted. Um, there's another one, I believe, of a man who's wearing a gas mask on the side um he actually looks like someone i know so we kind of laughed because i took a picture of it to show him <laughs> and i said there's your twin it's on the wall somewhere <laughs> um, but uh, they're actually um interesting um really well done but to me it's like wow this is just staring you in the face but i guess it's okay if people go no they embrace the history and they they're moving forward um, it, was, it was actually interesting when I was there. Margaret Thatcher passed away yeah. last time I was there, and um, it was the day I was leaving. And so, just such an interesting um, reaction to her death. Um, you know, there was the the wall that says "You're now entering Free Dairy," and uh, it said "Ding Dong, which is dead." Someone had sprayed me, and I just went, "Oh my goodness!" Um, and, and there were some people who were coming out and kind of. I, even in Scotland, there was a reaction to her death that wasn't the greatest, I should say, not the classiest reaction to her death. And that's it, it was very shocking to me, but that's them reacting to a history that they have and what has gone on um, and the troubles and her role in it. But in fact, you just said that she was actually taking part in peace talks, um, which I actually, in fact, didn't fully know mm -hmm. um, that she was doing that at the time, at least. Yeah, well, I don't think she was personally taking part in the peace talks. But she but knew. She, she she authorized the contacts yeah. to be made. At least that's my understanding of the of the the history that has been brought to light in more recent years. That's right. Um, but you know, that was only after a number of hunger strikers had died, and she was getting a lot of slack. The, the blame effectively mm -hmm. for allowing that to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, there there you go. She's you know, a, a character that um, is divisive in many ways, not mm -hmm. just in Northern Ireland, but probably throughout the world. Mm -hmm. um, maybe the, if you went to the Falklands Islands, <laughs> you may get a different perspective <laughs> on what they think of her there. You know, so, you know, it's, 
you could probably argue there's a large number of political leaders over the centuries that are divisive of course yeah um and also there was there's the the mural of um she i don't know her name but uh, it's the one it's a, a lady she was a. She was head of, I guess, some sort of organization or something. She was like a, a speaker. She's standing on top of like a building. Yeah, that being uh, Bernadette Devlin. That's it. She, yeah. So what exactly? I like that one the best because yeah. you can see her clearly commanding a role. She has a commanding role in something that's going on. Um, I actually like it. She's still alive. She is, yeah. Um, but she's not um, involved in politics anymore. She, um, uh, more or less when the civil rights movement... Um, ceased to have any real influence mm -hmm. um she was one of the leaders of the civil rights movement you know she sort of went into political obscurity okay and um you know but she got married and had a family and does she there. live in Derry? no no i'm not sure exactly where she lives oh okay she, she moved out of Derry and when she got married as far as i understand oh wow yeah. interesting okay mm -hmm. well it's interesting um and so so yeah i wanted to say I, I have such a hard time with understanding the future of Northern Ireland. I can't, of course, we don't know what the future entails for Northern Ireland. Um, what What is the consensus right now? Are, are people happy with, you know, the North being the North and still being the North, essentially, and still being part of the United Kingdom? Are people just saying, is the reaction, okay, thank God the violence is gone, this is okay. We have this agreement in place. Should this come up again, hopefully not violent, but you know, are people satisfied? Do you think on a whole with just leaving things status quo for now? Well, I suppose the answer to that is if you ask one and a half million people for their opinion, you'll get one and a half different opinions, right. you know, <coughs> one and a half million different opinions. But, um, my feeling is that people are generally content okay with the um situation at mm -hmm. present it's by no means perfect mm -hmm. but it's better than the alternative right um it's it's a work in progress mm -hmm. uh, there's still issues that have to be addressed and worked through um but whilst we will criticize our politicians day and daily i think overall they are working them through mm -hmm. um, a lot of people when the assembly was set up you know gave it six months okay well it's been there i think over 14 years yes, now. yeah um so you know that has to be recognized as a, a success a in success, itself. Right. um as i said it's a it's a work in progress there's a lot of issues that have to be addressed but that's not any different than any other country yeah and the, the issues that are now to the fore are the economic ones, their uh, em uh, employment. Mm -hmm. There are, um, you know, issues around education, mm -hmm. um, environment, and mm -hmm. um, development, and so on and so forth. I mean, those are the issues that every mm -hmm. society is dealing with mm -hmm. day and daily. Of course. And the, 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 the political question um, is really isn't as much to the fore as it once was mm -hmm. and interestingly um you know Sinn Féin is now the the main um nationalist party mm -hmm. 
and they're the second largest party in, in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. But there was a poll done in the Belfast Telegraph a number of months ago, and whilst Sinn Féin voters were happy to vote for Sinn Féin, when mm -hmm. they were asked the question, did they wish to see um, a united Ireland within the next, I think it was next five years, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it wasn't a clear-cut yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it's 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 not an easy question to, no. to answer. Right. Um, so whilst people are, are content to vote Sinn Féin because of their social policies, mm -hmm. whether or not they're provide, prepared to vote for in a referendum for United Ireland is, I would say, not something that would be a success at this point in time. Right, okay. Um, interesting though is that, um, what is it, in 2015, is it with Scotland they're going to vote? Yeah, that is a big debate um, throughout the UK at the minute. This is, you know, is the United Kingdom united if Scotland isn't part of that's it? That's right, that's right. Um, so the uh, outpolling of that will be interesting, uh, depending on which way the referendum goes. Would it? Do you not? Do you not think there's a possibility that should um, the Scottish vote to separate, that that will stir things up in Northern Ireland again? No, I don't think so. No, I think it's uh, and it's an issue for Scotland. Mm -hmm. uh, if they vote f to and separate from the United Kingdom, that's that will be their decision That's and, their and mm -hmm. that decision that would be respected in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a broader question, um, not just for Northern Ireland, but for England and Wales and even some of the regions within England, um, whether or not the United Kingdom can maintain itself as a political entity right. that it currently is. Right, right. Well... Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see because we still got... When is that vote supposed to take place? 2015, what month? Do you I, know? I don't know, to be honest. Oh, have they not decided? Maybe they haven't decided yet. Uh, they have decided. I just they can't recall oh, okay. what it is. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see, I guess, well, let's say about probably in a year's time what happens. I mean, they could mm. vote no and then that's that. Yeah. Um, but if they vote yes, I think it, it's it'll be very interesting, not just for the United Kingdom. I mean, in Canada too, we have our own issues with separatism with regards to Quebec, and and I'm sure they will pay attention to it as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the way it is. Um, it'll be very interesting, of course, to see. Um, but so let's talk just to finish up. Actually, um, the troubles um, we've said, you know, where. We've discussed where Ireland, Northern Ireland is now. Um, what can we learn from it in terms of, like, what would you say are the strengths of, you know, the peace process? I would say the peace process is, in fact, a strength. What happened and how, how you have the Good Friday Agreement, that's great for people to learn from in terms of dealing with these sorts of mass atrocity situations in future, mm -hmm. right? What, what can we learn about Northern Ireland and the troubles in terms of handling future issues, essentially? Well, I think the, the fundamental lesson to be learned is that um, if you have a, a disenchanted minority, mm -hmm. you ignore their aspirations and their rights mm -hmm. at your peril. Mm -hmm. um, if you consider that people who are protesting do not have a legitimate right to mm -hmm. protest and that the reasons that they're protesting are not legitimate 
and you counteract that with unreasonable force, mm-hmm. um, you open up a hornet's nest of That's problems, right. which once that nest is open, <laughs> it is right. impossible oh, to control. That's right, yeah. Um, that, I think, is the fundamental lesson for mm-hmm. the world. And you know, we have seen recent conflicts um, throughout the world where various political leaders from Northern Ireland have been asked to to visit and to give their step in, step kind in, of, and know. to to give give their perspective. And whether or not this has helped, I think it's too early to tell. But I think the the, the world community recognises that you know Northern Ireland has a role to play in mm-hmm, conf- mm-hmm. conflict resolution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I mean, Ukraine right now, that's all over the place. Um, not a hundred percent the same as the troubles, obviously, but you know, similar type of situation going on, not a hundred percent the same, but that's in the news. Palestine is always in the news that, that what's always, always. And there's a mural in Derry as well to, to deal with Palestine, right? Yeah. I saw that one. Yeah. Um, and you guys, well, most people have very strong opinions about, um, you know, Israel and Palestine and, and that I do find that over there. And of course, um, similar type of situation. So there will be things to be seen. I, I do think that, um, you know, key players in Northern Ireland should be called upon and their opinion should be, should be, you know, at least taken into consideration. Um, and so, it's an interesting place. I, I myself, um, I see things and I go, interesting, interesting. The curbs, the curbs. Um, and I go, that's weird. Why are they still colored? And I still, I go, I shouldn't that just, just leave it. Just leave it alone. Just don't color them. Just let's just be. That's me, right, coming there. But the thing is, is that um, it is, in fact, a great pa- place to be. Um, people are incredibly friendly. Um, it's unique. Um, Derry in particular um, is a very unique city to be in. It's a city, but it's not super big, but it's still a city. So it's a very interesting. Belfast I love too. Uh, you know, you've taken me across uh, Northern Ireland, so it is a great place. I don't, I myself, I feel great there. I don't feel nervous, nothing. Yeah. Um, and so no one else should. If I feel good, you shouldn't feel, you shouldn't feel bad. Uh, but, um, I think everyone should go visit. In fact, it's an interesting place. Um, and you do get a sense of the history right off the bat mm. just by being in Derry alone. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's great. At least you're embracing it. Um, people embrace it. They understand it for the most part. I don't know mm-hmm. if everyone fully understands it, but for the most part, and you guys are just going about your daily lives, you know, trying to get over the violence and move on. Um, which is what everyone can learn from in similar situations. And so, yeah, I think uh, that's it. I think we've come to our end of our two-part series on the Troubles. Um, Definitely check out part one. Um, And thank you so much, Robert, for being my guest. You're welcome. Um, And everyone, thank you for listening. Please come back and listen to us again next month. This has been Atrocity Prevention Monthly. Bye. Please visit our website at www.thesentinelproject.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash stop genocide or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash sentinel project.